Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM Progress. A little show called Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. So glad you are with us. What a day. My God almighty on a pogo stick. Are you wiped out after today? The news kept on coming. It was a nonstop seesaw. Horrible news. Wonderful news. Kept following each other all day long. We're going to run through all of it tonight with a very special guest lineup. Dr. Jason Nichols will be here on the show tonight, who I've wanted to get for a long time. He's a terrific writer. He's a senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland. It's Chris Houseelt's old job. Uh, he's got some great pieces in Newsweek, and I've been wanting to get him on for a while. His new piece is called Brianna Taylor May Get Justice, Thanks to President Biden. Let's get ready. Let's do a show. <laughs> we live in a time of contradiction. I talk about this all the time. And you have to get used to the contradictions. You have to accept the chaos if you're going to be sane and aware in America. It's the only way to get through it. I, I call it what the fuck fatigue, that we are in the golden age of what the fuck fatigue, where the what the fucks are coming every day so rapidly. We thought it would end when Trump left the White House. We were wrong. And for many of us, our outrage circuits are a little bit burned out. Sort of why we have this little self-help spa every night to try to remind you that your sanity matters a lot more than, than being a news junkie all the time. But it's a crazy time of contradiction. I mean, think about it. This is a time when politicians try to make the abortion rate go down by making it harder for women to get birth control. It is a time when football jocks have become the moral voices of social justice. It's a time when climate science is considered to be fake by people who think pro wrestling is real. It's a time when legal weed is more popular than the two political parties keeping legal weed illegal. This is a time when you can be pro-death penalty, pro-torture, pro-assassinations, pro-cutting snap, pro-preemptive war, pro-stealing migrant kids from their parents, and still be pro-life. It's easier to buy 10 AK-47s than 10 boxes of Sudafed. It's a time when you need a photo ID to vote in an election, but you don't need any ID if you want to buy an election. I could go on. Maybe I should. We can't do a damn thing about mass shootings, but we're finally going to do something about plastic straws. Dandruff dries your scalp. Antidepressants make you suicidal. Birth control makes you not want to have sex. And they got Christians to vote against everything Christ talked about by talking about abortion, which Christ never talked about. For God's sakes, people, there's a time when the more American flags a Twitter profile has 
the greater odds that it's Russian. That's where we're at. We have to be ready to mentally walk and chew gum at the same time, all the time, every day. I'm curious, how are you staying sane? What's keeping you sane? What's keeping you from just being too obsessed and going down the rabbit hole? Because I'm sorry, becoming a full-time news junkie and being miserable all the time might be worse than just checking out completely and watching, you know, Property Brothers. Nothing as Property Brothers, but there's more important things in the game. And today for me was just a day when it was what the fuck fatigue in full force. I mean, we get the news about Brittany Griner, which was terrible. Russian judge sentenced her to nine years in a penal colony after she was found guilty of drug possession. She had vape cartridges containing hashish oil in her luggage in Russia. She said she accidentally packed them in haste. Less than one gram. Less than one gram. She got nine for one. And now the trial is over, which means she's of high value to Vladimir Putin. And that's why the sentence was so heavy. She is a political bargaining chip. And negotiations to free her are already in progress. It was bad news. Maybe the worst part about it was seeing how happy some awful people were on social media all day celebrating. Why? Because she hates America. Uh, Brittany Griner doesn't hate America. She hates uh, racism and she hates police brutality. She doesn't hate America. Hate to tell you all patriots this, but if someone isn't a fan of our national anthem, which was written by a slave owner, written by someone <laughs> who, who included a third verse about catching runaway slaves and attacking runaway slaves who fought for the British, there are people who aren't comfortable with that, and especially at a time when cops are killing unarmed black people and not paying a price. I mean, we had one with Chauvin. So I don't, you know, I don't fault any African-Americans or any Caucasians of conscience who say, you know what, it's, it's fine, have the anthem. I'm not going to be here for it. Not going to be part of a little loyalty oath time. That doesn't offend me. That's the First Amendment. And all these guys who are so furious with Brittany Griner and misgendering her. My God, you're actually making me use the word misgender, calling her a him all day on social media, celebrating that an American has been left to rot in a prison. Now, I'm not surprised. They don't care about all the people who are rotting in prisons because of cannabis convictions in this country. And they're all saying, oh, if Trump was president, he'd get her back. If Trump was president, she'd already back. But guys, maybe you've never heard of Otto Warmbier. Maybe you've never heard of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't care about Americans who are trapped overseas. He does not care. He has already said he wants to leave Brittany Griner there to rot. We're being consistent. If a Russian athlete was visiting our country and got caught with one gram of cannabis oil and they put that Russian athlete in jail, I'd protest that too. And I'm sure you guys would as well. So in the midst of all this strife over the Brittany Griner day, we get the Breonna Taylor news. And it's amazing news that I don't think any of us saw coming today. But Merrick Garland is on the case if the case happened a couple of years ago. I mean, four Louisville police officers involved in the raid at Breonna Taylor's home, were charged today with civil rights violations by the DOJ. This includes a former detective who was fired for lying on the search warrant that directly led to her death. I mean, it's huge, and it's deeply inspiring. Merrick Garland announced the charges against former officers John Joshua Jaynes, Brett Hankison, Kelly Goodlett, and Sergeant Kyle Meany. Breonna Taylor was a 26-year-old black medical worker, and she was shot to death while police knocked down her door while executing a search warrant, a warrant 
that was obtained by lies. Now, the Louisville Police Department spent a lot of time the last couple of years saying they did nothing wrong, nothing wrong in the killing of Breonna Taylor. And yet Officer Hankison was fired. They turned around and banned no-knock warrants. They paid $12 million to the family of Breonna Taylor. (laughs) But he did nothing wrong. And by the way, he was charged with wanton endangerment. But to people living in other apartments, he was never charged for the killing of Breonna Taylor in March 2020. It's huge news. It's really promising news. It's after such a depressing morning of hearing about Brittany Griner to just hear, wow, okay, so maybe it just takes two and a half years and then Merrick Garland's going to be on it. Hey, we're, we're almost at two and a half years from what happened on January of last year. Here's Merrick Garland today, our attorney general, announcing charges against four current and former Louisville Police Department officers in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. Earlier today, I spoke with the family of Breonna Taylor. This morning, they were informed that the Justice Department has charged four current and former Louisville Metro Police Department officers with federal crimes related to Ms. Taylor's death. Those alleged crimes include civil rights offenses, unlawful conspiracies, unconstitutional use of force, and obstruction offenses. The four defendants were charged through two separate indictments and one information. This is very promising, what we learned today about Breonna Taylor. I mean, I want to play Breonna Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer, reacting to the DOJ decision. I've waited 874 days for today. Turn now. Amen. Amen. So we got the Breonna Taylor news. Then we got, you know, after getting the Brittany Griner news, then we get the monkeypox news. I started feeling better. But now the monkeypox outbreak is a public health emergency. I'm like, oh, crap. I started feeling hopeful, but now I got to get rid of that. America has the biggest monkeypox outbreak. 6,600 cases have been reported in the U.S. since mid-May. Monkeypox, by the way, we'll talk about it later in the show. I want to go into some facts about it. It's a less deadly cousin of smallpox, but it's now triggered a 26,000-person global emergency. It has reached 83 countries, and we still don't know how serious the outbreak here in America is. So today, the administration declared monkeypox a public health emergency. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll be depressed again. But then, oh, then, Alex Jones had a worse day today than yesterday. Now, we had a lot of fun last night talking about karma. But after deliberating for less than a day, the Alex Jones jury ordered him to pay over $4 million in compensatory damages to the parents of a child killed in the Sandy Hook massacre. And it's amazing. Thank you, Texas. This is the same jury that Alex Jones was calling extremely blue-collar folks who don't know what planet they're on. They found him liable, and he has been fined $4.11 million for spreading lies about the Sandy Hook school shooting. This means that he has to pay damages for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress to the mother and father of Jesse Lewis, who was killed 10 years ago at the age of six, after he said repeatedly on his show that the attack was a so-called false flag, meant to gin up support for stricter gun control laws. The poor child's parents were subjected to years of abuse and harassment from InfoWars fans. So here's Mark Bankston, the attorney for the Sandy Hook family that was just awarded $4 million today, explaining the potential range of what the punitive damages might look like because they'll be announced tomorrow. Practical cap, right? There is a reasonable multiple. 
Um, and and that is that can be case specific. The Texas Supreme Court kind of decides that. What is a reasonable multiple of that? Um, and so once you start approaching more something like 10, 15 times what the compensatory damages is, now you're over the, you're starting to get over the multiple. So I think uh, you know a, a practical fear for Mr. Jones is is he going to have to walk out of this courtroom paying fifty million dollars, or is he going to have to walk out of this courtroom paying six million dollars? Right? What's the what's the question here? I certainly don't think that tomorrow the jury's going to come back with a punitive damage verdict of five hundred thousand dollars. I don't think that's happening. Right? I, I think the jury clearly made some choices in the room about compensating Scarlett and Neil first, and then doing the punitive damages. Uh, I think it's reasonable to expect that Mr. Jones could be in deep, deep trouble. So that makes you smile, and that kind of sums up the day. Oh, Alex Jones is going to pay for his heinous acts. Oh, wait, but monkeypox is a public health emergency. Oh, but they're going to prosecute the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. Oh, but Brittany Griner just got sentenced to nine years for one gram of cannabis oil. It's, it's depressing. But guys, do you want all the contradiction you can possibly handle in 60 seconds? Do you want a sense of how weird it is to be sentient in this country right now? You don't know how weird your emotional roller coaster can be until you've watched Dick Cheney tear Donald Trump apart. Because I don't know who to root for. Former Vice President Dick Cheney released an ad today to boost his daughter Liz's reelection campaign. And he went directly at Donald Trump. I want to play this for you. I think it sums up the entire day when you can be like, how can I feel two completely different things at once? Arguably the most horrible president of our lifetime, Cheney, next to Putin, but I'd say Cheney's even worse in many ways, going after Donald Trump. I just, I just, the, the contradictions abound. I hope you're sitting down. Be ready to say, damn right, Dick Cheney. I, I don't know how else to set it up. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution, when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will too. I'm Liz Cheney and I approve this message. Okay, where do we begin? I mean, as soon as the thing was over, Dick Cheney had to wrap it up because he had to finish drinking his true blood and resume that chess game with Max von Sydow. Um, everybody was so shocked that Dick Cheney made this video. None of us noticed he, he's doing it wearing a cowboy costume. He, Dick just like dresses up as mythical figures now. This is the guy who signed off on torture and then had his fifth heart attack, you know, which some might call karma boarding. And suddenly he's the voice of reason. I mean, it's been 10 years since Dick Cheney got his new heart. And the old heart, you know, became four horcruxes. But Dick Cheney is a war criminal who deserves to spend the rest of his life in prison. He knowingly lied to everyone to get us into a war we had no business getting into 
to find WMDs that never existed, all to make the company that had given him $33 million a lot more. And his former company got $40 billion of our dollars. I mean, we, we, we can't lose sight of the fact that Dick Cheney is evil, despite the fact that you heard the video. I just kept saying, damn right, Dick Cheney. I mean, the only way that video could be better is if Cheney sent it from his cell in The Hague. Or if maybe Dick Cheney decided to go after the Republican Party at large, a Republican Party that has now slandered both of his daughters. I I didn't know how to feel about it all day. What did you think when you saw Dick Cheney tearing down Donald Trump? All I can say about it is never in my life, ever, have I ever seen a, a, a former vice president totally denounce a former president of the same party. It's just never happened before. So... I think we can say, uh, as contradictory as all these feelings are, it symbolizes that the GOP is engaged in an all-out civil war. And it's funny because they agree on so many horrible things, except one. Do we push Trump's lie to make Trump's voters happy? Or do we call out Trump's lie so we can look at ourselves in the mirror? (laughs) All I know, friends, is that Dick Cheney is a constant reminder to me that George W. Bush's greatest accomplishment was not dying in office. And yet, I agreed with everything he said. Well, almost everything. Uh, You know, first off, saying there's nothing more important that my daughter will ever do, that's kind of mean. Maybe she'll cure cancer. You don't know. And also, it's cute that Dick Cheney still pretends he lives in Wyoming because he was legally living in Texas. And when Bush made him his vice president, he had to change his residency back to Wyoming to pretend that that's where he lives. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So now we know how long it takes for Merrick Garland to get angry and active about something. About two and a half years, roughly two years, five months. Uh, Very, very good to know. But... What's important is we now know that the Department of Justice doesn't just care about the killing of Breonna Taylor. They know it was predicated on a lie. These four cops have been accused of faking the affidavit they used to get the search warrant that directly led to the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. And spoiler alert, this violated plenty of federal civil rights laws. One of the best pieces I've read about this is in Newsweek by our next guest, Dr. Jason Nichols, an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland, College Park. He's also longtime editor-in-chief of Words, Beats, and Life, the global journal of hip-hop culture, the first 
peer-reviewed journal of hip-hop studies. You may have read his stuff in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, NBCNews.com, and he co-hosts the Vince and Jason Save the Nation podcast. I've wanted to get this gentleman on the show for such a long time. What a pleasure to welcome Dr. Jason Nichols. Hello, sir. Hey, hello. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for that great intro. Oh, it's so good to have you. I'm such a fan of your of your prose, and uh, I was really, really just very uplifted, uh, both by the announcement and by your words today. Before we even dive into it, let me just ask you, how are you? How's your family? We're still dealing with COVID. Uh, is everyone okay at your end? Everyone's okay. Uh, thank you so much for asking. You know, my mother-in-law just had surgery, so we're kind of, you know, nursing her back to health, but everything is is going well on, on my end and um you know i hope the same for you thank you i hope so. I, it's going pretty good thank you it's it's going better today with news like this i, I after the brianna taylor news this was so delightful to hear I, I think doctor a lot of us could be excused for having lost hope that there'd ever be any approach to justice in the case of brianna taylor I know March of 2020 wasn't that long ago. It was the month that the pandemic lockdown began, but it seems like decades. Had you given up hope that there'd be any action on the federal level? Uh, I won't say I'd given up hope. One of the things I think we need to understand about all of these things, because I think a lot of people are asking, why isn't Merrick Garland moving on You know, Trump or or all these kinds of questions? And one of the things that I've learned from a lot of the attorneys that I've talked to in particular uh, people who are prosecutors is you can never have too much evidence. There's no such thing as too much evidence. Gather as much as you possibly can. And a lot of us were thinking about excessive force. We weren't thinking necessarily that they lied on an affidavit to get a warrant and then that they were conspiring to lie to investigators, which is another thing that I think the media is on is downplaying even right now. I agree. Is that they they allegedly met in a uh, in a garage talking about how we're going to lie to these investigators. Um, so I think that again, there is a certain amount of patience that that we have to have and understanding. But you know, in that patience, that doesn't mean that we don't continue to uplift. Uh, the name of people like Breonna Taylor and even people who, you know, the window of justice has probably closed, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, Rakia Boyd or uh, Ayanna Stanley Jones or, mm -hmm. you know, Trayvon Martin. These are people who will probably never see that form of justice. But I think it's important for us to keep their names alive and keep yelling them. And I think the Justice Department if it's led by the right people, we'll hear those calls and, and actually go uh, and uh, make an effort to address them. Well, as you write in the piece in Newsweek, if the officers are in fact guilty of the lie they stand accused of, their lie robbed a family of a loved one and it robbed a community of a valued member, one who assisted in saving lives as an emergency medical technician. And the case demonstrates why we need fair and impartial oversight from the Justice Department. But you point out one side of the political aisle is not really committed to having oversight of the police. And I think we've all learned a lot about things like qualified immunity in the past year or two uh, and why these civil suits are almost so impossible to file. Yeah, well, so first thing, um, when you were uh, quoting that one part, I do think it's important to state that uh, Breonna Taylor was an emergency medicine or a medical technician. And she died on March 13th. She was shot and killed on March 13th of 2020. A week later, the pandemic exploded. You think maybe 
the Louisville hospitals and though that community could have used her hands at that moment. So I think we really did have to recognize that the community was robbed. Her family was robbed. Everybody was robbed by uh, her untimely death, which was, you know, uncalled for. And now, as you as you stated, predicated on a lie. Um, I think one side of the aisle has been disingenuous the entire time when it yeah. talks about any form of uh, police reform or criminal justice reform altogether. You know, we heard about the, the First Step Act and, you know, what, like three people got out of jail and we were supposed to be so excited. Uh, and look, look at what Trump is doing. And he yeah. said, I'm Abraham Lincoln. But Van you know, Jones told me, Van Jones said, Van Jones said it was so good. I mean, it's I, great to see Republicans suddenly caring about the drug war, but they're not scaling back the prosecution of it. Oh, absolutely not. They're the ones who are trying to take out uh, all of the prosecutors across the country who are addressing, you know, crimes of need. We're not talking about, you know, I think we right. all are against uh, murder and assault and all of these other and robbery and things like that. But, you know, shoplifting and things like and like that, they're trying to take out all of these prosecutors who are trying to get people help so that they don't commit these crimes of of need. Um, and that's right. usually what happens more. If you talk to prosecutors, they see more crimes of need than crimes of want. And, uh, you know, poverty in and of itself is traumatic. And it's something that we, we should address. Um, but there's it's the one leading side cause of, the of crime. It's the leading cause of crime. You want to see crime go down, prevent poverty. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's no question about it. And, you know, what, what we saw, uh, you know, I, I think it was disingenuous. And it's funny because I'm going to go on Fox News tomorrow and debate somebody that I actually blocked on Twitter um, <laughs> you know, to, you know, we're going to we're going to debate. Uh, I don't even know what it is we're going to talk about, but. They got very upset when I criticized uh, Tim Scott because I think he was disingenuous in this entire process. Yeah. And, and while he was there like, hey, we're going to I'm talking to Cory Booker. I'm talking to Karen Bass. We're going to address uh, police reform and we're going to get uh, police reform. And a lot of these guys throw out, you know, it's funny that the race card is only used for the left. You know, oh, yeah. No one ever says Tim Scott uses the left the, oh, yeah. the race car. No one ever says Daniel Cameron, the prosecutor who just so happened to miss all of this stuff that the Justice Department is finding is, you know, no one said he use, uses the race card because the whole time he was saying, yep. well, you know, I understand I'm black. Um, no one ever accuses them of that. And now those were the things that they threw out. Um but yet, when it came time to actually get something done, Tim Scott's MIA says, no, we can't change that. No, we can't yep. change that. No, we can't yep. change that. You know, and then nothing happens. Um, and it becomes a loss for Democrats, unfortunately, because Democrats uh, couldn't get it done. And they're the ones in, in control. But it was supposed to be this bipartisan effort. And then, you know, the other side says, no, nah, we're not going with exactly. anything or any changes. And exactly. I, I think the people who are hurt are the people in communities like Baltimore, where I'm close to, and people in, in South Los Angeles and the people in, in, in Harlem and in West Philadelphia. Those are the people who lose. And yes, they look like Tim Scott, but Tim Scott doesn't seem to identify with them. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to start calling that out.
Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. It's uh, dangerous for a guy as white as me to call him out in that regard. But I completely agree. I find anybody who ever uses the phrase the race card is someone who doesn't want to acknowledge there's been 400 years of a heavily stacked deck. That's why someone would play the race card. And in this piece in Newsweek, you actually break down what the lie was. And I think we have to mention that because what was the lie that directly led to the murder of this innocent woman? You point out that the raid the cops were leading in Kentucky originally was going after Jamarcus Glover, who was Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, she had already moved on. She had started dating someone new, a guy named Kenneth Walker, who, uh, you know, was the person who actually initially was charged because he fired his weapon. He fired which, back. Again, yeah. I mean, you know, in, in Kentucky, I think a lot of people have guns. You know, uh, in their it's homes. It's encouraged. Yeah, to you know, to protect their homes, and and I, you know, I may lose my my leftist card here, but I believe in gun ownership. If you're a safe, legal gun owner, that, um, I, I don't, I don't think the right owns that issue. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. You know, I, I'm someone who believes in that, so I think right. you have the right to defend. Now, again, I believe in in safe gun ownership, but I also believe in gun control. You know, I yeah. think that those, I those think the two- majority of people agree with you. Right. Yeah. That's where I think most of America is. And and he was inside his home. Someone kicked in the door and or a bunch of people kicked in the door, did not announce themselves. One person said they heard the police announce themselves. One but person. they interviewed 11 other people and none of them heard it. That's right. So if if it was only loud enough where one person in the entire building heard it, then I think that you didn't say it very, you know, very loudly. I don't know if you're if they're like, police, but, you know, you would think people would have heard them announce themselves. And then, you know, of course, if you hear your your door get kicked in. I think, you know, most people would protect their home. Yeah, this is the danger of no knock warrants. Um, and in this particular situation, uh, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, uh, Kenneth Walker defended himself. He gets arrested and he never, and you know, there's evidence that he never actually shot. Uh, I think it was Hankinson or, or Mattingly, right. whoever, whichever one got shot. It wasn't his gun that actually shot the guy. It was correct. Fire. Yes. It was another uh, cop's gun. Right. Exactly. Um, but I mean, by yeah, the way, I was just saying this is this is everything our right wing friends always tell us. I mean, if a bunch of guys start busting down your door and firing guns, you're going to shoot wherever you can as quickly as you can. And of course, Hankison was charged, but only for a bullet that went through the wall into the apartment of a Caucasian neighbor. No one was ever charged for the bullet that went into the body of Breonna Taylor and killed her. Right. Exactly. And she had six bullets that went into her. Oh. Um so I think it's, you know, um, and again, the, 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 the drug house, the trap house that they were looking at was 10 miles away. You know, th- th- there was Unreal. literally no evidence that should have led them to go to Breonna Taylor's home. The guy they wasn't said, there. They, they said in the affidavit that Mr. Mr. Glover, the, the ex-boyfriend, was receiving packages at Breonna Taylor's home, right? That, they knew right. that was a lie, didn't they? They absolutely knew that was a lie. There's 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 no question about it. I, you know, uh, some of the, the the postal people even said, look, 
there are no packages coming in for Glover at that address. And they made it up, essentially. You uh, close the piece beautifully. You say, where are we supposed to turn when local jurisdictions deny justice to a segment of the population, to the federal government, which is supposed to enter and defend the Constitution? And you lay it out when nine school children in Little Rock, Arkansas, were denied access to Central High School. It was the federal intervention that allowed them to attend the school. Federal intervention that challenged housing discrimination like redlining and restrictive covenants that locked generations of black people out of building wealth. And you close by saying today the DOJ stepped in to grant justice to Breonna Taylor, and we should be clear about why, because of President Biden. I love that you ended it that way. And I do think that we have to give this president a lot of credit because we all know other presidents who would not have wanted this prosecution to happen. Absolutely. I mean, as we know, Daniel Cameron was a person who chose not to prosecute anyone uh, with the exception of, of uh, Brett Hankers- Hankerson, knowing putting up a, a weak, def- you know, a weak prosecution and Hankerson got off. And Daniel Cameron also was uh, a, a featured speaker at the RNC. There we go. We're seeing President, then President Trump. Um, We also know Jeff Sessions, who was Trump's original uh, attorney general. uh, His entire career has been uh, fraught with what we would say is racially, I would say is racially, racial hostility. Yeah. and he was the person who ended a lot of the consent decrees. One of the consent decrees, again, in, in, in Baltimore, uh, after that scathing DOJ report that came out in 2015, he ended that consent decree. That's and right. if anybody's been paying attention or is into pop culture, then you, you've probably seen the HBO series about the gun trace task force and some of the things that, that went on in the city of Baltimore. And the things that they were trying to fix, Jeff Sessions lifted them. And you can't tell me Bill Barr would have done anything differently. So I think we're in a, in a better place. I have my criticisms. Don't get me wrong. I have my criticisms of President Biden. I'm Same. Not, Same here. You know, I'm not an acolyte here. But Same here. Everyone I talk to always says, he wasn't my top three choices, but, and I, and I get it. He was much better than what they were putting up against him. And he's... At, at age 97, which I think you'll be in two years, he'll be better than whoever the GOP puts up against him then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think so, too. And, um, you know, he he's the reason we have Merrick Garland. You know, um, if he hadn't gotten those 81 million votes and won those key states, won Georgia, one Arizona, one Michigan, one Wisconsin and one Pennsylvania, you know, this outcome that we see with Breonna Taylor, her family being able to rejoice and get a little bit of justice uh, would not have happened. And yeah. I think it's, a, you know, it's it's something that we have to acknowledge. Let, let me ask you, because you had a great piece in Newsweek last month. I'm going to go through all your articles because I love everything you write. But you had a piece last it. month that was uh, called Sorry, Democrats. We're stuck with Joe and Kamala. You say we're stuck with them. We chose them. And now we need to stick with them. How does it make you feel to see all of these polls that allegedly show Democratic voters who agree with everything Biden and Harris are fighting for? And yet saying, well, we got to replace them on the ticket without even specifying who we had the pollster on the other night who did that poll that showed that 61 percent of Democrats want Biden replaced. But all the potential replacements polled much lower than Biden among the same Democrats. What do you make sense? What do you make of all this discontent? 
I think a lot of it is ageism, to be honest. Um, I think there have been some things where we, we expected President Biden to be a little more effective and he hasn't been. I think he sold himself as someone who was going to reach across the aisle and get those 10 Republicans to come along with him. And, and he has failed at that. Um, yeah. We and settled for him getting two Democrats to come along with him. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and I, you know, I think there were, you know, and I know some Democrats get upset with me when I say this, but there were some unforced errors. Like Afghanistan was an unforced error. You know, like there, there were ways the Republicans are right with the closing of Bagram Airport. That was a bad decision. Um, I yeah. think that when you look at the alternatives, I mean, you put Gavin Newsom up there and, and I like Gavin Newsom. I think he's done some really good things recently, but people are just going to show downtown San Francisco and it's, you know, you're going to lose yeah. that race. I, I keep trying to tell all these people, even with all of the good things that he's done, even with the hundred billion dollar uh, surplus that they have there in California, all you have to do is show the homeless tents in, in yeah, South Los right. Angeles. I hate it, but you're right. And, and the homeless people, you know, and the defecation in the streets of, South, of uh, San Francisco, I'm telling you, Republicans are just chomping at the bit oh to God, face someone right. like Gavin Newsom. We'll be, we'll be voting between... It'll be between defecating on the sidewalks of San Francisco versus people who defecate in the Capitol building. I mean, right. literally, that's what it'll look like. And, and and yet he's a ferocious campaigner. He's great on the stump. I don't doubt that he, he could be electable, but it just sort of seems like 81 million people voted for this guy, including yeah. all the people who like Liz Warren and like Bernie Sanders and like the other candidates who eventually got in line. I mean, Noam Chomsky and Angela Davis went for Joe Biden. It does sort of seem that if we're on the same page with these policies, then that's what we're going to have to keep fighting for. And I'll give you the last word. Yeah. You know, I think Joe Biden is somebody who is not a very articulate person, particularly at this stage of his life. I think he has lost his fastball a little bit. Um, and Kamala Harris is not exactly like a, a huge step up in terms of being very articulate. But we voted for them. We elected them. I think it looks bad if we don't stick with them. It, it, yeah. it makes it look like we're not good decision makers, like our party doesn't have it together. And um, as you said, and I agree, the things that they are fighting for are good things. These are our policies that Americans want. And there are policies even that Republicans want. They just yeah. don't want to admit that they want it. <laughs> and the last time a Democratic president decided he wasn't going to run for re-election, it led to us getting Nixon. Dr. Jason Nichols, it's such a pleasure to finally get you on our show. I hope we can get you back. This platform is always open to promote your work. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you? Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jason Nichols. Uh, and you can also follow me or find me on Facebook, Jason Nichols, Ph.D. And again, the piece in Newsweek is called Brianna Taylor May Get Justice. Thanks to President Biden. And thanks to you, sir. Look forward to having you back. And we'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is SiriusXM Progress, and thank you, Prince. Let me bring back our friend Marie, our brilliant and lovely attorney from uh, Atlanta, who calls us every now and then and graces us with her brilliance. Marie, thank you so much. We were talking about Alex Jones just before. I have this theory that Alex Jones' lawyers are sort of like Donald Trump's current lawyers, which is it's all about the billable hours. And all they care about is just keeping this thing going as long as they can. I mean, it, it, it seems shocking that they would actually pull a Mark Meadows and turn over these binders full of smoking guns, all of his text messages from the past few years. And then I was reading the email exchange where they just said, oh, uh, disregard the previous email where we gave you all that evidence. Just disregard that. I mean, that's not really enough to make it inadmissible, is it? No, no. There's a whole process you have to go through. You you have to send a formal letter clawing it back. You have to make a motion to the court, what's called a motion in limine, to limit the use of the information. Um, they really, given the time when it occurred before the um, before the actual trial, they would probably have had to have moved for a continuance so that they could um, extract any uh, any confidential email, any attorney client, any attorney client privileged content. Um, there's a whole lot more that you have to do than just say, oh, disregard. Right. And and the, the rules of ethics, as crazy as this sounds, the lawyer for the parents of of the, the murdered child, he has that lawyer has an obligation to zealously represent his client. And if the lawyer representing Alex Jones didn't do the things he was supposed to do to claw the, the, the phrase we use is claw back. Um, the information that is privileged and should have been redacted um, or to, to make a motion in limine, the lawyer for the parents has an obligation to use it. Yes. Otherwise, he's not zealously representing his client as Correct. required by the rules of ethics. He's obliged so to use those. interests. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. As Please. I was thinking through it yesterday, I was like, you know, who is dumb enough to do this? Um, and there, there could be a legitimate explanation for why the attorney did it. If you know as a lawyer that your client is lying and is, is suborning perjury, you cannot participate in the lie. You absolutely cannot. You can right. lose your license for that. Right. And so if his lawyer realizes, Knowingly. holy crap, right. <laughs> exactly, what he does potentially in that situation, although, again, this is a sloppy way to do this, you put the evidence in, you know, so that they can't say, oh, we never saw it. Um, and if they don't catch the fact that the, the client is lying, well, it's not like you suborn the perjury, you the lawyer. Um, again, that's a that's a dicey strategy. But I was trying to figure out, like, what explanation could there be that would yeah. reasonably explain why the lawyer might in, like intentionally have done this? And I, I I'm just thinking that. You know, it's funny that you beforehand 
sort of equated some of this to the Donald Trump lawyers because right. it's it's a Donald Trump strategy when you think about it. It's I'm going to participate in the bad behavior until it's about to become publicly viewable bad behavior. Okay. So that giving the the contents of the cell phone and the emails and the text messages that may have been the okay i'm not going down for helping him with the lie because that's publicly knowable the rest of it on the other hand i'm going to get paid for and he potentially has that that excuse now let me throw one more thing out at you please do yes i i confess that i i have heard though i have not read so this is not independently verified that alex jones um had previously said that the text messages and some of his emails are sent by his staff. So it might okay. not have been him who actually said the thing or did the thing. Uh, well, sounds like a lot of plausible deniability on his part and his lawyers, but go on. Well, here's the thing, though. Yeah. If the accounts, if the text messages included text messages to his lawyer and text messages from his lawyer and email messages to and from his lawyer, when you, let's say I'm advising you as my client, if you and I alone are having a conversation and nobody else is standing around us. We're in a private place. It's privileged and confidential communication, unless I'm advising you about how to commit a crime. Okay. But we'll put that aside. Okay. Okay. If on the other hand, you bring your best friend to the conversation, it is no longer covered by privilege because a person who is not part of the privilege was a witness to it. So you have no, in essence, you can't claim a privilege for something that you didn't of protect course. as privileged. Right. If then, follow, follow me to the, the conclusion, okay. if then his emails and text message accounts were accessible by people who were not covered by privileged, he may have waived the privileged as to the entire contents of his text message accounts and his email accounts. Oh, my. So really, (laughs) not only is he screwed, but if all of these accounts were getting about him exchanging messages of an intimate nature, that's the word we heard, intimate, with Roger Stone, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. error or or willful error by his attorneys Mm -hmm. could bleed directly into the January 6th hearing and investigation, among other things. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) exactly this is just oh i'm just always so grateful that our 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 fascists are always so stupid in this country i'm so grateful for it gotta love it wow marie you are brilliant i thank you very much for classing up the joint once again okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. 
No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Let's get to the phones because some of you guys have been so patient for so long. Uh, Luke in Vermont, thank you so much for waiting on hold. Oh, no problem. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Thank you. Um, I was just calling regarding the Alex Jones thing. Um, I remember after January 6th, remember how Parler was hacked? Yeah. And they re- they just le- released all the videos. Mm-hmm. And I watched them all, which was you know, terrifying. But I watched a lot of them, too. It was we, amazing. Yeah. One of the things that came up is like Alex Jones was trying to prevent people from breaking into the Capitol. Okay. It's like actively yelling, saying, you know, don't, this is what they expect from us. We're, we're supposed to go around front or something like that. But, right. um, you know, I, I always think of that, Dan, what happened to Dan Rather, you know, when, with the Bush being AWOL and how they just sort of planted something that, yeah. you know. Dan Rather told the truth, but with a false document. Right, right. And it, it torpedoed the fact that, W was AWOL. That's you right. Know, he did his good thing. And I really right. don't, I'm so afraid of that happening with Trump. So I think there's so much evidence that you could just throw this guy in jail for. And, sure. you know, it's like I, at this point, I'm just, it's like walking around broken glass. It's like, do we really need Alex Jones and stuff? Do we, do we really need we enough, need? right? <laughs> well, I mean, I have enough what? Like, what, what, what is your concern that, like, what, this information is somehow going to help Alex Jones or, or, or help Donald Trump? I don't, I don't know what's all there, but my fear would be it, would, it might go to show that the, the conspiracy was to, like, have a rally outside of the Capitol. I see. And I'm, I don't know enough about the legality. I'm an attorney, believe it or not, but I, I don't know enough about the legality of sedition to know right. whether or not that would constitute sedition taking a mob there so like part of me is like if the cabal was to have a rally outside the capitol so that the lawmakers could hear people chanting and stuff is that sedition or is that first amendment rights uh saying that we're supposed to be out front well i I think it's i I think it's a very simple i mean if you're just out there protesting then that's your first amendment but if you are let's say trying to uh obstruct congress if you're actually trying to take steps to enter the building and obstruct Congress in any way from carrying out their constitutional functions, that seems to me where the crime line is. And that seems to be what they've been going by. So it's like, uh, you know, I I won't dispute that most of the folks there were uh, not violent. 
just like I won't dispute the fact that what the ones who were violent were terrorists. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I'm in the minority, though. I don't I don't care if Trump goes to jail. It's not important to me. I care that this can't be done again. I sort of think that Trump may have more value to the world by being out here and being able to tear the Republican Party apart and help more Democrats get elected. I, I, I fear Trump playing the martyr card. And I don't know. I'm still not convinced he's going to run either. I don't know what he's doing. He certainly wants us to think he's going to run because he's all about raising money because he's all on the grift. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, well, do you think that there's going to be charges brought against him before the election? I do. Um, mm. I personally think that the January 6th committee was preparing the country for something that has been unthinkable, which is the arrest of a former president. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my theory is that they because I mean, you have to like there has to be a line. Um, I, I like I, re, I read a lot of Roman history okay. and all of this stuff has happened before. Like Rome was a very complex nation with very complex politics. Like you can, you know, humanity hasn't changed that much. And one of the most dangerous things in the world is precedent. There yes. would never have been an Augustus Caesar had there not been this dude named Pompey the Great. Because okay. Pompey the Great broke all these laws. Rome had very good laws to prevent Generalissimos from rising up. But then this dude named Pompey broke all these laws because they wanted to. And then so when Augustus yeah. Caesar comes around, he says, well, Pompey did it. Well, Pompey did it. So I think precedent is so dangerous. But I think you kind of have to arrest him. Like, I mean, yeah. I, obviously, I was on board for arresting Bush, too, because I don't like the idea of such a powerful executive. So would I. So would I. I don't like the idea of war crimes. But let me ask you, for those who don't know, what happened to Pompey? How did he end up? Caesar, uh, well, he got killed by, he was betrayed in Egypt. So he went to war with Julius Caesar, and he got betrayed in Egypt. But he was still, Julius Caesar wasn't going to kill Pompey. The fact that he got killed by these people in Egypt, you know, how dare you kill a Roman sort of thing. Um, But he was still looked well upon by the Roman people. So when Octavian and Augustus, you know, comes around, Augustus gets to say, well, Pompey the Great did it. Pompey the Great did it. You guys all love Pompey. So, you know, even though I'm only 20 something, I can have a private army. And even though I'm doing this, I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about it. So it's all about what the precedent's going to be. And if the precedent's going to be, hey, a president can spread these kind of lies, incite this kind of violence take steps to actually deceive us all, to obstruct Congress, to commit fraud against the American people and walk away clean, then, yeah, what's going to stop a more competent fascist from trying the same exact thing? That's why I keep coming back to, I don't care what happens to Trump. I care what happens in the future. I don't want to see someone else get away with this. Do you do you believe that prosecuting Trump is the is the surest way to guarantee this can't happen again? I think it's a dangerous thing, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you can see, because these guys are sociopaths, right? They're yeah. narcissistic sociopaths. I think as soon as these rats see that, oh, my God, not only will I go to jail, I'll lose everything. My family will lose everything. You know what I mean? Uh, I think once there's consequences, these people who are absolutely selfish will yeah. say, well, I don't want to suffer those consequences. I mean, it's I'd a like dangerous, it. obviously, it's, it's a dangerous precedent either way. You're prosecuting a president so you don't want following presidents to just start prosecuting each other but at the same time you do something we're trying to see who Mm -hmm. actually runs this country the rule of law or right-wing guys right and it's the same thing with the supreme court like the best thing that we could do is just take away at this point just take away um what's it called original 
uh, where they get to review the Constitution, that John Marshall in Marbury versus Madison, he seized this power illegally. Original intent? Yeah, exactly. You know, Article One Congress has an Article One power where they could just say, the Supreme Court, we changed your jurisdiction. You're now, you can only review traffic cases. Like, wow. they have that power with a simple majority to say, the Supreme Court can no longer do that. They can only review traffic cases because our Congress has complete control over the Supreme Court's jurisdiction. Right. I mean, you could, I think that's at this point, you have to do something sort of drastic like that. But then again, it's a dangerous thing. Well, the Supreme Court, you're sort of relying on philosopher kings. I know, and, I don't like and it's terrifying. And and deeply, deeply, profoundly unelected philosopher kings, I know. Right, right. And they've done good things, but they've also done a lot of bad things. You just, you know, it's just so... I know. I guess. I guess what I've got to say is that I get, I've been so focused on. Um, I, I don't care about Trump going to jail. I care about Trump ripping the Republican Party in half and destroying Ron DeSantis. I think I need to broaden my own horizons and say no. I can root for both of those things. I can root for Donald Trump to completely wreck it for the GOP yeah. and to go to jail. Maybe that's how I need to reframe it mentally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, again, it's it's a drastic step. But I just think. Yeah. Something has to be done. I mean, I still feel that Donald Trump's karmic comeuppance is going to be hemorrhaging money to defense attorneys for the rest of his life. He'll be he'll be selling off golf courses within two years. I I, I have a hard time seeing them prosecute him after all the things we've seen presidents get away with. But you never know. If I wasn't so afraid of uh, repercussions to my family, there's so many civil lawsuits that we could do. Like, you know, I, you know, you could go in and sue Donald Trump for $3 billion for threatening the country, uh, sure. for, um, you know, uh, uh, violations of the emoluments. Uh, sorry, I can't pronounce it. The clause where you can't profit. You just go down the line and, you know, if you lose, you lose. But if you win, you know, yeah. again, you're setting precedent. Of you can't do this stuff. Luke, I really appreciate your call. I really appreciate your expertise and insight. Thank you. Please call us more often. It's going to be a very interesting couple of months leading up. And I do think if Democrats do well in the midterms, that you will more likely see this Donald Trump prosecution. I I think it's a lock, but we'll have to see. Thank you so much for the call. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Bye-bye.